Many of us can identify with working hard to make ends meet. And more often than not, the harder we work, the more it seems like we are not getting any closer to meeting our goals. Now, even on those occasions, when we do feel like we're getting closer to meeting our goals, sometimes out of nowhere, something comes up to alter our plans. All of a sudden, the car needs a new transmission. The rent or the mortgage got a massive increase. Medical bills and student loans become due. The boiler breaks down. School fees are doubled. You name it. And before you know it, we are right back where we started from, living a few paychecks behind and forever trying to catch up. Why is life like that? Why can't we seem sometimes to get ahead? Now, what you need to know is that this is not just a problem for you and for me. Even people who have excellent jobs with excellent education and making excellent money are also struggling in their own way to make ends meet. Our consumer mentality dictates that because we make a certain amount of money, we should live a certain kind of way. We should live in a certain kind of house. We should drive a certain kind of car, etc. After all, we have earned it. But despite that sense of privilege, because of our achievements, we still get stuck trying to make ends meet. This is a problem whether you're rich or you're poor, whether you're upper class or lower caste, whether you're middle class or black, white, Asian or Hispanic, it does not matter. We're all working very hard and we just can't seem to make ends meet. While I do believe that a good reason why we're in this predicament is because we're spending far more than we are earning and sometimes our eyes are are much bigger than our stomachs and we are consumeristic in our nature and we are never satisfied, I believe that there is a much more intense reason why we can't make or seem to make ends meet. The clue to this reason can be found by looking at what God says through one of his prophets found in the book of Haggai, the first chapter, and reading verses 1 to 9, which we already read. But I will lift up verse 3, which says, Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panel houses while this house lies desolate? So today, I want to talk about prioritizing the things of God over our own desires. And the title of this sermon is quite simply, Consider Your Ways. Consider Your Ways. Let us pray. Father, we are in difficult times, and Lord, many of us are struggling to make ends meet. We are often robbing Peter to pay Paul, and Lord, the bills keep chasing us, even though sometimes we may feel like we could take a break something always happens to throw us back a few paces. Lord, life is hard. It is difficult. But Lord, we pray that through the words of your prophet, 
we might see that if we put first things first, if we seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness, then all the things that we need and are looking for will be added unto us. So Lord, speak now, Lord, to the preacher. Speak to your people at a time where life is hard and difficult, but we are not left without hope. This we pray in your holy name. In the church all over the world, we say amen, amen, and amen. Now, I want to establish the context of this message, and I want to read a little bit from verse 17 through 15. And let me the ears of your heart as I walk us through this for a moment. Listen carefully. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house, which lies desolate, while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. I called for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, hear me clearly, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people showed reverence for the Lord. Based on what I've just read, it seems to me that there are three reasons why we can't seem to make ends meet. Three reasons. The first being you. You. From, from, from the poor choices that you make in mismanaging your resources and your money. Second, second reason is the devil. Yes, from our adversary, the devil, who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And third, from God himself, who may just be shutting off your prosperity. So clearly, your, your reason for struggling is either because of you, it's either because of the devil, or it could be God. Or it might just be all of the above. Who knows? But the bottom line is, you can't blame the devil for everything that's going wrong in your life. But let me give you some background to this text because it's important that we set the proper context. After the reign of Solomon as king, the Jewish nation was divided into two. There was the northern kingdom, which was Israel, and then there was the southern kingdom, which was Judah. Now, in the northern kingdom, the Israelites, the people, they began to follow the ways of the world. Their neighbor to the north, they started to worship the same gods that they worship. They started to follow in the practices of the world. In other words, they had forgotten their God and started to do the things that everyone was doing around them. Now, in the southern kingdom, in Judah, they were not following all of these false gods. They were sticking to their one monotheistic God, their one God, Yahweh, God of their heritage. They were focused 
on God. And they were able to fend off much of their aggressors, but eventually and over time, the people of Judah were taken into Babylonian captivity. It is in this Babylonian captivity that you remember people like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember those stories. It's while Judah and the people of Judah in the southern kingdom were held in captivity in Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar and his people were trying to force them to bow down and to worship his God and they refused. Now, a little bit of history, biblical history. Now the Persians came in and they defeated the Babylonians. And when they came in and defeated the Babylonians, Cyrus the Great began to allow the people of Judah to return to their homeland. And not only did he allow them to return to their homeland, he also allowed them to take with them all of their religious artifacts. Everything that meant a lot to them, everything that was important to them, Cyrus allowed the people, the people of Judah, the Jews, to return to their homeland with their God. Now, once they got home, they started to work to rebuild the temple. It was exciting work. They felt that God had blessed them. And they took about a year or so, and they laid the foundation of the temple. But despite their work, they were receiving a lot of opposition from the people. Every time you start to build something for God, rest assured, people are going to come around, and they're going to try to discourage you and distract you and take you away from the building of the house that God had instructed for the people to do. And while they were getting all of this opposition, guess what? The work of building the temple stopped. The building project had now been neglected for about 16 years. 16 years after they had built the foundation, 16 years had passed, and all of the work on the temple of God's house had ceased. And when the work began again, the people had to start from scratch. And it is during this time when the people were starting the rebuilding of the temple that the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. Now, now before the people went into Babylonian captivity, the earlier prophets was, was focusing on different things. They, they recognized that the people had a tendency to worship false gods. And so prophets would come and they would talk to the people about turning their hearts back to God. The people were also very caught up in injustices, social injustices that created inequalities between the rich and the poor, much like what we see today in America. And the prophets would come and they would warn the people, please do not... Do not forsake the widows and the orphans. Take care of the least among you. But now that the people were back in the land, now that they were there rebuilding the temple, we had now different prophets who came. And prophets like Ezekiel would tell the people, you need to start to go back to building the house of the Lord. And then you had Malachi who would come along and try to tell the people, you need to purify yourselves as priests and become faithful to God in tithing. And now we have Haggai, who is telling the people, you need to return to a genuine sense of worship. Haggai is telling the people that despite everything that's going on, you need to put first things 
first. You need to make God and the worship of God priority in your lives. That's what Haggai meant to the Jewish people. His message was simple. Haggai said, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, which is the same words that Jesus echoed in the New Testament. So basically, as God gives Haggai a command to build his house, he also encourages the people to complete the house. And he instructs the people in the text to consider their ways. The text says, now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put in a purse with holes. The problem that the people were facing as they were back in the land of Judah is some of the same problems that you and I today in 21st century America is experiencing right now. The text says we have sown much but harvest little. That's like putting money into your savings account, but only yielding 1% to 2% interest, or losing hundreds of thousands of dollars in your 401ks, or even seeing your homes lose their value. We have sown much, but harvested little. The text says, you eat, but there is not enough. This sounds a lot like scarcity, where we hardly have enough money to last us through the week. And, and, and it says, you drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. Obviously, our Lord is not advocating intoxication, but it's referring to having any abundance of overflow in our budgets to care for unexpected situations. We are struggling and we are working paycheck to paycheck and all you need is one, one calamity, one disaster to throw your life into chaos. Are you seeing that the text is really talking to us today? The text even goes on to say, you put on clothing, but no one is warm. Warm enough. In other words, we're not living comfortably because we have outlived the usefulness of our earlier provisions that can no longer support our needs. And finally, the text says, he who earns, earns wages to put in a purse that has holes. This is a direct reference to credit card interest and revolving debt. It's like we can barely make the minimum payments on the credit cards and everything seems to be going down. By the time we finish paying off, by the time we finish paying off the television that costs $500, we end up paying $3,500 for it in essence. Why? Because we have a purse with holes. So God says to us, and God says to all people, consider your ways. Why are all of these things happening to us? Are we not the blessed of God? Are, are we not his chosen children? Did he not say he would care for all of our needs according to his riches in glory? Is that not what God promised each and every one of us? Did God not say those things? Then what's the problem? What is the problem? Why are we suffering? The problem is that we have misplaced Priorities. We've made everything in our lives much more important than the things that matter most to God. God is holy. He will never share his glory with anyone. He is God and he alone must have first place in every single one of our lives. So the real question becomes, how do you and I, people who are chosen by God, 
show him how much we love him and plan to prioritize him over everything and everyone else in our lives. Well, I'm glad you asked. See, this is what Haggai says in verse 7 through 9. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Here are the instructions. Go up to the mountains. Bring wood and rebuild the temple that I may be blessed with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house, which lies desolate, while each of you runs to his own house. Rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be glorified. That's the answer. You and I, we have lack in our lives because God's house lies desolate while each of us are trying to get our own houses in order. So Ahagiah challenges us to consider our ways. And he gives us three calls in order to deal with the lack that we face in our lives. Now, church, I know you're already thinking, and I know you're already thinking, is the pastor talking about building and fixing up Allen Temple, the church, and that's going to cause our lives to be prosperous? Please listen. Keep listening. Because I want you to hear in your spirit what the Lord is telling you about your house. Haggai gives us three challenges when he tells us to consider our ways. The first challenge is a call to courage. The second is a call to cleansing. And the third is a call to the chosen one. Let's look at the first, a call to courage. This is one month later after they had returned. The first priority was to get the temple rebuilt. The people did not like this so much, so Haggai had to let them see that the difficulties that they were facing in their personal lives was directly related to their neglect of the Lord and his house. The challenges that each of us are facing in our lives are, are as a result of our neglect for the things that matter to God. And in this case, Haggai is using the example of the Lord's temple. We know this because he said what? Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple. So the first call to courage is really to stop thinking about your own comforts. Instead, put your energy into the restoration of the temple. Now I'm using the word the temple in a very unique way, which I will explain in a little while. But you must put your energies in rebuilding the temple. Haggai assured the people that even though the temple doesn't look like much, even though the temple may be in different stages, even though the temple might have been glorious one day and is no longer glorious today, God is saying, I am with you, but you must build the temple. If God brought you out of Egypt, he will bring you out of your struggles. But you have to have the courage to trust him enough to focus on rebuilding his house and to take your mind off of yours. The temple of the Lord is and should be your first priority. What does that mean, church? That means that when you begin this building of the temple, whatever the temple may be in our lives, if it's important to God, God will get glory and you will receive your reward. The second call, two months later, is a call to cleansing. Now, here's a curious section that we find in the book of Haggai, chapter 10 and verse 9 to 19. Here's what it said. 
Listen carefully, church. On the 24th of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priests for a ruling. If a man carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches bread with this fold or cooked food, wine, oil, or any other food, will it become holy? And the priest answered, No. Then Haggai said, If one who is unclean from a corpse touches any of these, will those things become unclean? And the priest answered, Yes, it will become unclean. Then Haggai said to the people, And this is the nation before me, declares the Lord. And so is every work of their hands. And what they offer is unclean to me. Church, holiness cannot be transferred from one object to another, but uncleanness can. Uncleanness can. What do you mean? Well, when the people neglected the temple, their disobedience was transferred to the sacrifices that they brought into the temple, that they brought to the altar of the Lord. The Lord could not accept those sacrifices, so their land became plagued and the people were not blessed. Now they were obeying God by bringing the sacrifices and they were doing it, but not until they started to focus on prioritizing God, that God began to receive their sacrifices. Now what they were bringing was clean and not unclean. If you are living in disobedience, what you bring to the Lord to be consecrated as holy cannot be holy. You cannot bring something that is not worthy and holy of of God and expect God to bless it. You must come to God a certain way. God is holy and everything about God requires holiness. So you have to be holy. Now, pastor, this is a hard word. Yes, it is, because what I'm telling you is that you need to check yourself. How are you bringing your gifts to the Lord? And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about you presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to the Lord. And if you have not gotten the hint yet, the temple I am talking about is you. The building of the temple that needs to bring holiness to God and glory to God, the temple is you. So Haggai is telling the people, you must rebuild yourselves in worship. You must bring yourselves to the place where what you represent is something that God is pleased with. You can't be unholy and expect God to bless what you bring. You must first consecrate yourselves. Be holy in yourselves. Cleanse yourselves. And then what you bring to the Lord will be acceptable in his sight. In other words, there are many people in churches that are not seeing the material blessing of God because they have neglected God's temple and they do not even understand that God cannot accept anything that is unholy. And church, this is a tragic message for a pastor to preach. Many people in many churches, including our own, may be under a curse. Here people are giving to churches and to houses of worship and are not seeing any improvement in, in their lives. This is exactly the reason why when we take the offering, I pray over it in a way that lets God know. I said, Lord, cast not them away. 
Lord, Lord, forgive them for what they have done. It's a reason why even on this first Sunday, as we prepare to take Holy Communion, we thank God for Doreen and Arlene who takes the time to prepare the table before us in the presence of a holy God. Why? Because God is holy and everything about God needs to be holy. So the question becomes, is it possible, church? That you're not seeing, you're not able to make ends meet simply because God is not really holy in your lives. I'm just asking a question. I'm not judging you. I'm simply saying, where are your priorities? And the message is clear. Consider your ways. Finally, a call to the chosen one. The text says, then the word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai in the 24th month saying, speak to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah. I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. That's what it says. I will overthrow the thrones of kingdoms and destroy the power of kingdoms of the nations. And I will overthrow the chariots and their riders and their horses. Their riders will go down, everyone by the sword of another. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shelatiel, my servant, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord. Now, there's one of the texts. We jump back to verse 5. It says, it simply says, as for the promise which I made you when, I, when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former. And in this place, I will give peace. My brothers and sisters, here is what the word of the Lord is telling you. You have not peace in your lives because simply you have not recognized that the silver is his. The gold is his. Everything that you have comes from the Lord. And if you recognize that, and if you understand that even your body, you are his, then, my brothers and my sisters, you will not care for yourselves with the holiness that it requires from God. This particular part of the text points really to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in the end of days. Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, has been chosen to receive the signet ring, which is a symbol of honor, authority, and power. But this particular prophecy points to the fact that it is really through the line of Zerubbabel that the Lord Jesus Christ will be born. He will be coming through that royal line. We read in verse 9, the latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. The glory that Haggai is saying will fill the house is the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is the glory of the Lord. And he is the greater glory. And he is our house and our resting place. You see, when you build the temple, Jesus Christ is the temple of temples. There are no more temples in Jerusalem or anywhere else that we're going to run to. The truth of the matter is that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And what you house in you is what brings God glory. But you run your house any old kind of way. You treat it any old kind of way. So God is saying, rebuild the temple. And the temple that does not even require building with hands, the one made without hands, is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So what I'm saying to you, church, if you haven't gotten the message yet, is that you need to take care of 
the Lord, your relationship with the Lord. You need to build up your house, build up your temple and the temple of the Holy Spirit. For the truth of the matter is, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And if you understand that taking care of everything that matters to God is a way of getting back to the holiness of God. What does this mean practically for you and I? Sure, you take care of yourselves. You eat healthy. You watch yourselves and you take care of those around you as well. You care for the least of these, but you also care for the building, the physical building. You take, you take advantage of caring for the things that are important to God. And if you seek first the kingdom of heaven and all of its righteousness, Haggai is saying, when you feel like you can't make ends meet, find a way to glorify God. In the Old Testament, God's acceptance of any sanctuary, any building, any physical building, any acceptance was often signified by fire. And this fire would come down upon the house, and we would call that in the Old Testament the Shekinah glory. The same word glory is used for wealth and for riches. But Haggai uses this term in both cases. The Lord intends to habit the less than glorious house, and he will subsequently bring splendor to it. So spiritually speaking, there is no more physical temple, building, or any one house where the Shekinah glory of the Lord can be seen. The truth is the new temple that, that houses the Shekinah glory of the Lord is really the temple of you and I. And we as, as individuals are now the houses that the Holy Spirit can inhabit. You are the temple that needs to be restored. You are the temple that God wants to inhabit. And you are the temple that needs to be rebuilt. Because if he can't fill your house with his glory, then of what value are you in his kingdom? It's really just that simple. What is stopping you from being who you want to be and going where you want to go and doing the things that you want to do is that you're trying to do everything in your own strength. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So my brothers and my sisters, the message is really quite simple. You need to consider your ways. Look at what you have been prioritizing. And I challenge you today that if you seriously start to prioritize the things of God, trust him. Begin to consistently tithe, for example, and to consistently care for the, the least among us. Right? It's the reason why our church spends a lot of time trying to make sure that we're meeting the needs of the community. Why? Because we want God to see that what we are about is our Father's business. So consider your ways. Have you been building your own castles to yourselves? Are you worshiping at the altar of idols and neglecting God's house? Are you giving more allegiance to your fears than to the fear of the Lord? What are your priorities? You cannot expect the blessings of God on the houses you build and expect that he will hear your prayers and bless you if you do not make obedience to him your first priority. God will always reward those who put him first and seek his will. And so today, my brothers and my sisters, here is the call of Haggai that was made thousands of years ago that is being echoed today in this message. You have a call to be courageous, 
to do something and make a change in your life, whatever is required in order to return to the holiness of God. Your foundation has been built, but you have been sitting on it for far too long. Return to building your house, and it requires courage. Secondly, the call to cleansing. You must make the things of God the things of God. What is for God is for God. You cannot come to God any old way that you believe. If you decide that this is how you're going to worship the Lord, then be consistent in the way you worship the Lord. It can't be willy-nilly or happenstance because guess what? That's why your life feels willy-nilly and happenstance. And finally, a call to the chosen one. Unless the Lord builds the house... You labor in vain. And so, my brothers and my sisters, you need to understand that as you consider your ways, a call to courage, a call to cleansing, and a call to the chosen one, then you will find that you will be able to make ends meet. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.